like I said, we are looking at the Wisdom and Life Skills Lecture, the Family Discipleship Seminar. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Oh Lord, this is your holy word. We are your servants. Give us understanding that we might know your testimonies. You have prayed, O Lord, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Use your holy, eternal, inerrant written word to set us apart this day to your service and to your glory. Show us now great and mighty things which we do not know. The sower sows the word. Let not your word go out and return empty, but accomplish that purpose for which you have gathered us together and for which you are sending it out. Protect us from Satan, Lord, who will snatch your word. (coughs) Protect us from the world's cares and the delight of wealth and the passion of other interests which enter in and choke your word. Protect us from a wrong reaction to difficulties and discouragements and persecutions which make our hearts hard and unresponsive to your word. Rather give us good soil, O Lord. Plow up now the hard ground of our hearts that your sown word would send roots downward and bear fruit upwards. Unsheathe now the sword of your spirit, O Lord. Cut to the dividing point of bone and marrow, soul and spirit. Judge now the thoughts and intentions of each heart gathered here. Spread your word before us as a banquet table, O Lord. Grant grace that we might eat of the rich meat and drink of the sweet milk of the great doctrines of your word. Give us the heart of the prophet who cried to you. Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. O Lord, we live in a dark and a wicked age. Broad is the way, and many are on it, which leads to destruction. Make your word a lamp to our feet. Make your word a light to our path. Show us that narrow way that you would have us run. And Lord, as we run in the paths of your commandments, enlarge our hearts, that in loving you, we might be more obedient to your written word. Drop your word against our lives as a plumb line, O Lord. Grant grace that we might see how we deviate from its high and holy purposes. Make your word to us a mirror, O Lord. Grant grace that we might not be as those who look and go away and then forget, but make us active doers, not forgetful listeners of your written word. O Lord, because of our fealty to you, because of our undying love and devotion to your Son, our resurrected Savior, 
we pledge to you this day our total submission to your holy, eternal, inerrant written word, and we pledge to you our unquestioning obedience to all of its commands. In the name of our Lord and resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to have a good time in the Word. Bishan, are, are you on Navigator staff? When you say you're full-time in the ministry? Is that a yes? Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, uh, are you in the process of raising support? Yes, I am. Okay, uh, we are not in a position to give monthly. We've already made our budgetary commitments, but I would like to give you an end of your gift. Can you email me how I do that? Okay, sir. Thank you. Yeah, sir. you just email the information. We can give All you right, an sir. end of your gift. Thank you, sir. The problem with people raising money for me is. Navigator, Campus Crusade, all sorts of people have been hitting me up for money for 50 years. <laughs> so, since I was a college student. So, uh, it's best to seek to raise money to, to uh, younger people who are newer in the ministry. But I would like to give you an end of your gift to help, help out. And uh, So, you, sir. just like I can put that in your personal bank account or through the navigators, whichever is best. So, happy to do that. Okay, well, having said that, uh, let's take a look at uh, wisdom and life skills. Now, uh, if you've got your notes printed out, you can uh, follow along with my lecture. Uh, can you see what's on? Do I have my share screen on? No, not yet. No, good. I'm not going to put it on. You guys uh, follow along so you can take notes on your um, on your printed copy, or you can uh, make notes on the uh, copy you have on in front of you on the screen. Now, remember the goal: our child's success. That our child. That's right. If we, and we don't have to worry about being more holy than God, the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2 say children obey their parents and honor their parents because, in verse 3, it will be well with them and they will live long on the earth. There's, uh, there's nothing wrong with raising our children with their success in mind. People say, well, you're just making your child a project. Well, of course I am. Yeah, it's, that's not the only aspect of my relationship with my children. But God has entrusted them to me. They are a gift from God. And God has expectations for me as a parent. So, of course, of course they are. Now, uh, uh, chapters 7 through 9 talk about drawing near to our children through play and affection drawing near to our children by helping them be successful, drawing near to our children through their spiritual development. So drawing near to our children is a part of it. But uh, I can tell you, I had some teachers when I was in high school, and uh, for them it was just all about us enjoying their class. 
but it didn't help me a bit on my SAT scores. And that's what's important, not how much I enjoy the class. Well, our children, we want them to grow up and lead lives that are fruitful and fulfilled in their relationship with God and man. We want them to be successful. We want them to be able to do this apart from their parents. Now, we want a loving relationship with them. We don't want it for them to grow up and saying, all my parents were concerned about was my status. Was I a cheerleader? Was I in honor society? Was I on the football team? Well, you know, well, how did I make them look in public trying to live their lives through me? No, we don't want to do that. We want to have a good relationship with them, but we want them to be able to live independently from us. That's the goal. So what do we do? If we're just going to say we cut to the chase, what's the short answer? We look at our child's behavior and we are honest with ourselves. Is this behavior preparing them to be successful or not? If it is not preparing them to be successful, we discipline them and change it. If it is preparing them to be successful, we reward them. And again, we do not have to be more holy than God the Holy Spirit. If God Does God reward us for good behavior? Yeah. We can lay up treasures in heaven. Uh, uh, James 1 says there's the crown of life for those who endure persecution. Uh, Daniel 12 says those who uh, master the word of God and teach it and live it will shine like stars in heaven, unlike slothful people in heaven. So there are rewards in heaven. God does reward. God says in Galatians 6, we will reap what we sow. There are temporal rewards for obedience, and we can model that in the relationship with our children. So you reward good behavior, but you discipline behavior that does not prepare them for success. If I go away, if some of, I can remember in uh, some of my visits uh, where I have host families who want me to teach the family discipleship seminar, uh, if there's writing on the wall, that's not preparing your child for success. What's it called? Graffiti. What's that called? Vandalism. That's not preparing your child for success. Children who make faces for family pictures, that's not preparing them for success. Children who can't sit still in the doctor's office, that's not preparing them for success. People, children who can't sit still at the dinner table, that's not preparing them for success. If they can't sit still at your dinner table, how are they going to sit still at school? If they ride on the wall of your home, what's going to happen when they do that to a building in public or to in the school building or in the church? So we're thinking, how is this preparing them for success? If it's preparing them for success, we reward it. If it is not, we discipline and change it. Let's look at Proverbs 1, 1 through 4. So Stephen, I'll ask you to read that for us, please. 
Proverbs 1, 1 through 4. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the statements of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and integrity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. So when we are thinking about wisdom and life skills, one of the things we are looking at is wise behavior. The Hebrew word is sakal. It means to be circumstanced, a speck, to be able to see things from all angles. It is stresses the application of wisdom to one's behavior. It means to be able to think through on something, extrapolate it out, and make a good decision. That's wise behavior. Prudence to the naive. Prudence, Umrah. In the negative, it means trickery. In the good sense, it means discretion. To, uh, to be wise, to be prudent. Discretion. Mesemois, a plan. This noun occurs 19 times. Then the the word means a purpose or discretion and so we are training our sons and our daughters to have, in wise behavior prudence and discretion and this is a progression that each building upon the other submission to authority self-control wisdom and life skills and we will see if they don't know, if they do not submit to your authority they cannot learn the big five. Know, obey, come or open, hush, give. They can, they know, obey, open, the hand or mouth, come and hush. They must know those five things in order to learn wisdom and life skills. So one builds upon the other. Concerning wisdom and life skills, the Bible says in Proverbs 24, 5 and 6, a wise man is strong, a man of knowledge increases power. For by wise guidance you wage war, and abundance of counselors there is victory. But if your children have not learned to be teachable, to follow instruction, to listen, how are they going to gather around themselves good counselors? Proverbs 22, 9, 29, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings, he will not stand before obscure men. So we want our children to grow up being skillful and wise. Wisdom and life skill look to our children's success. And it all begins with success in school. For the child to live apart from the parents, he must be able to support himself. The precessor to this is success in school. If he is successful in school, 
and will be able to graduate, go on to the university, get a good and and get a job or to a technical school. He needs to be able to concentrate on what is being said to him. That's honor, isn't it? He needs to be able to sit still. That's self-control. He needs to be able to follow instruction. That's obey. You know, uh, all of our children, when they were in about the second or third grade, we would get a phone call saying that the principal wanted an interview with us. And we knew what this was about. They wanted our children to be tested for the gifted and talented program because they thought they were little geniuses. Well, when they tested, they didn't test gifted and talented. They just tested out as normal kids. But they could sit still, concentrate on what the teacher is saying, and always do what the teacher said. So they were always at the top of their class, weren't they? You don't need to be gifted and talented to be at the top of your class. All you have to do is be able to sit still, keep your hands to yourself, concentrate on what the teacher is saying, and learn it and do it. And then you'll be at the top of your class. Well, that's a gift we gave them, the ability to do that. Now, there is a place for Christian schools and homeschooling for children. But not because of their behavior. It's for their intelligence or their safety. Their mental or spiritual safety or their physical safety or because the school they're in is simply not moving them at the pace they should go. Now, all of our children went to two schools. They went to the public school where they learned to learn in the rough and tumble of the real world, and then they came home to our school where they made sure they were at the top of their class. All of our children went to two churches. They went to Sunday school and church, because that's important to do, but those standards are so low, our standards for their spiritual development was a lot higher than that. So we, I also met with all the children uh, in terms of their spiritual development. No one likes to be around a sullen, disrespectful, disobedient child. You can ensure their social success. Uh, my goal was never that they be popular. Pop, being popular is not important. I, I, whenever I speak to high school groups I always and their parents, I always remind them that the last time in America you will hear the word popular is when they hand that high school diploma to you. After that, no one cares. That's the same with musical ability and athletic ability and how good-looking you are. All those things that are important in school, musical ability, athletic ability, physical attraction, popular, none of it means anything after you graduate. The two things which are relatively unimportant at school, family and hard work, become the only two important things. See how Satan turns that upside down? And you have to protect your children from that. I had to protect my children from it. 
If I allowed Romans Romans 10, 1 and 2 the, in the um, a living says, Do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. And one of the things the world will do with your children while they're in school, it, the world will say it's important to be popular, uh, it's important to be physically attractive, if you can play some sort of musical instrument that plays the current rock music, that will be helpful too. And if you're an athlete, those are the things you need to give your time and effort to. Family and work, I mean, nice but not necessary. Then you graduate. You're 18 years old, and for the next 62 years... Only two things are important. Family and work. Well, you see, so many young people have squandered those two things by the time they're 18 years old. We didn't allow our children to squander those things. They didn't have the option. So I would encourage you not to. I squandered it because my parents just said, well, you know, that's what you want. Go ahead and do it. But, but, you know, the Bible says children whose parents let them do whatever they want to, are uh, uh, those children are being raised like AIDS orphans on the street. The reason uh, Hebrews 12 says we have parents is so that we don't do what we want to do. Not so that we do. So, no, obey, come, open, give, and hush. The big five. That's what we work on. From there, we go to ten areas of wisdom and life skill. The number one, concentrate on what is being said. That's essential for school, for work, for respect. It's essential. Look at Proverbs 7.24. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. And I would say that to my children. Pay attention. Look at me. Don't look away. Don't be wiggling. Don't roll. Don't let them roll their eyes. Make them concentrate. Either look you in your face or be looking down at the floor. If you're some cultures where if you look someone in the face, it's disrespectful. They still have to control their head. Not. In Western, in America, it's look, looking someone straight in the eyes is an honest person. In other cultures, looking down at the floor is a humble, teachable, teachable person. I don't care what it is, but they have to concentrate on what is being said. Now, Dr. McCallway taught his children when they were dealing with authority to look down at the ground, except with him. He made them look him in the face because he wanted to make sure that they knew what he was talking about and he was also preparing them to function cross-culturally. So you just have to decide yourselves. It presupposes hush, doesn't it? And come and obey. If you haven't taught your children to hush, come and obey, they are not going to be able to pay attention to the words of your mouth. The training in this area is three spanks. 
That's rebellion. Not listening to you when you talk is rebellion. Is it a good wisdom and life skill to put personal feelings above respect? Is that a good wisdom and life skill? Is that going to prepare them for success? No. I did not allow my children to play the shy game. We were coming out of the church, and I said, greet pastor, and I would say 90% of the children that I'm around, I don't care what culture it is, when their parents tell them to greet with me, they ignore their parents, look down at the ground, bury their head in their parents' leg, they don't greet me. They've disobeyed their parents, they've disrespected their parents, they've disrespected me, their pastor, They've rebelled. If I told my children, greet Mr. Bashan, greet Uncle Stephen, and they did not greet you, I would take them, put your hands on your cheeks, lie on the bed, or I'd take them into the restroom, put your hands on your cheeks, bend over the toilet, and they would get three strokes. Then I would take them out, get back in line, and we would try again. And mom, your daddy, my grandma, grandpa would say, oh no, don't spank them, they'll hate me. No. They are on the way to being the favorite grandchild because they are so respectful and responsive. If someone says to your child, oh, uh, what's your name? And they look up at them and say, uh, my name is Hezekiah, Mr. Booker. Oh, really? How old are you? I'm four years old, Mr. Booker. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you in school? I go to school with my mommy, Mr. Booker. I start school next year. What will they say next? What a smart child, won't they? What an intelligent child. And then what will they say? What a good child. And they'll pat him on the head and praise him. What has he been doing? Marvel upon marvels, talking in a sentence, answering a question. There's nothing brilliant or good about that. It's a basic skill. But we live in an age when children are not expected to speak in sentences or answer when spoken to. Are they? Don't do that. Don't do that to your children. Best evaluation time when they're distractions, like when you're in a family gathering. When it's a task the child dislikes, you're going to be asking your child to do something and the child dislikes doing it, therefore the child will ignore you and disrespect you. Or when the child is asked to respond to a guest, that is really, that cuts to the chase. So uh, I, would, I would just practice this with my children. Anytime I had the opportunity to introduce my child to an adult on their first seven years of life, I would do that. To give them practice in doing it, 
but also to find out if they are disobedient and, and foolish, spank them, remove the disobedience and foolishness, and get them on the road to success. Many doors were open to my children in terms of responsibility in school and in church because they were considered well-mannered, self-controlled children who could follow instructions. Sitting still and entertaining themselves. That's the second wisdom in life skill. It's essential for school, church, social trips, dinner table. So many things. Psalm 130 verse 5. I wait for the soul for the Lord. My soul does wait, and in his word I do hope. That wait is the word quava, to bind together, perhaps by twisting, which means to patiently tarry and wait for whatever is being waited upon. That is a good wisdom and life skill. The teacher says, sit still for a minute. I have to take this call from the principal. Everybody sit still for a minute. I have to get the projector projector going. Okay, everybody sit still for a minute. We're going in a minute. We'll, we're going to leave and go outside, but I need to get my things organized. Your child sits still. Doesn't say anything. Who's going to be the one who gets to lead the class line? Who's going to be the one who's the last one out that gets to turn off the light? Who's going to be trusted to hold the Bible at Vacation Bible School or to hold the flag in your school? Who's going to be trusted to take the attendance report down to the principal? Who's going to be trusted to clean the erasers for the teacher? Who's going to be trusted to have the seat of honor in the classroom? It's going to be your child. That's a gift you give them because they can sit still and not get into trouble. If your child can't sit still at the dinner table, if they can't keep from poking their brothers and sisters in the back seat of the car, if they can't be still while you talk on the phone, how, how, why do you expect them to be still at school? Remember Saul? He couldn't wait, could he? And he lost the kinship. Teach your children to wait. When told, when told the child should be able to sit quietly and wait for whatever is being waited for. As the child gets older, the child should be able to go to their room or play area and entertain themselves. Not for discipline, but simply so mommy can have Bible study. The child should be able to sit in church without being a distraction. Our children went from the nursery to sitting next to us. Churches don't have children's programs to teach children at their level. Why do churches have children's programs? Daycare. Yeah, because the children will be disruptive. uh, They won't respect the pastor. They won't respect the worship time. 
They'll cry. They'll whine. They'll walk around during the service. They'll be so. We got to get the children out of there. Don't have children in the worship service for the same way you don't have dogs and chickens. In fact, some people could have their dog in the worship service, couldn't they? The dog would sit next to them and then go to sleep on the floor. Some people are raising better behaved dogs than children. That's upside down Christianity. I was once asked by a British pastor, "What's the big difference when you go when you're out in public in the UK and in America?" I said, "In the UK, at parks, dogs run free and children are on leashes. In America, dogs are on leashes." And, but that day is ending. Now I see more and more people with leashes on their children because their children will not walk next to them. Mm-hmm. That's a sin if you're raising your child that your child has to be on a leash. One-year-olds to three-year-olds should be able to play quietly and entertain themselves so mommy can have a quiet time or mommy can use the restroom or mommy can talk on the phone or the table can be food can be placed on the table they should be able to sit still bow their heads and pray without knocking things off the table grabbing things three year olds should be able to sit quietly in church Before our children could write, we would give them a piece of paper and say, draw a picture of something you hear in the sermon. They would be expected when they got home for Sunday dinner to be able to show us the picture and say something about it. As they got older, I had a little worksheet which was fill in the blank. A song that was sung, a Bible verse that was shared, and one or two things about the sermon. Then they graduated to taking notes. I take notes. They take notes. Then we talk about them. The mother should be able to have friends over and have a quiet time, prepare dinner, take a nap, or other activity in peace and quiet. Eleanor could have a quiet time every morning. And the children all had a little play area in the living room with a toy or a book where they would sit and play. I think it's very unreasonable to have a child in church and expect just to sit and stare. So we always had little activities for them to do, but they were spiritual activities. Uh, We had uh, some good friends, Kevin and Laura McGee. They had four children. They lived in a one-bedroom apartment. They put tape on the floor. And that was the play area for the children to play quietly in when Laura was having a Bible study. It was just like a room. The children would go sit there. They would play with their toys quietly. But the children must know no and hush and obey. Ah, 
you begin with a training spank with this to teach them to play quietly. You teach the child to sit still. I don't care if it's a high chair, the floor, the couch. They can sit still. Then you teach the child to stay in a play area. We would train our children to do this before it was necessary to do it. We were preparing them to be successful in school and in church. So I would just work with the children on this, sitting still. Uh, my good friend Rob Stevens, when he had preschool children, he would go and talk with them before their Bible study met in their home, and he would remind them. Now remember, when I call you, you come and greet the guests. Now I'm going to release you to go back to your rooms to play quietly, but I expect you to come, shake hands, and greet every guest. Also, I may need, mommy may need you to help a little. Pass out biscuits, pass out drinks. You will not have to stay down here forever. I will release you to go back to your room. But I expect you to be respectful and polite to the guests that we have. I thought that was a good idea. Give them a little warning. Nobody likes pop tests in school, do they? Sometimes you have them, but we don't like them. Best evaluation time. Evening meal preparation. Or the dinner table. Or when you have guests. I always think it's interesting, people who don't have their children sit at the dinner table with their mommy and daddy and eat. Okay? They don't do that. They feed their children in the kitchen or some other area. Then they have family or guests over, and they expect their children to know how to sit at the dinner table with adults when they haven't been teaching them how to sit at the dinner table with adults. So we always had our children sit with us at the dinner table. The doctor's office is another good time. Can your children sit in the doctor's office and read a book or play with a little toy you brought with them? Or are they walking around whining and talking and getting into trouble and breaking things? When you have a Bible study in your home, can your children play quietly? I know children who will not allow their mother to have a Bible study in the home. One of the qualifications to be an elder or a pastor in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 1 is hospitality. I know people who cannot practice the ministry of hospitality because of their children. There's writing on the wall. The home is messy and dirty. As soon as they clean it up, it gets messy again. They just can't, the children will be fighting and interrupting. They just can't do it. That was never true with us. The third skill follow instructions. It's essential for school, 
and for success in extracurricular activities. Matthew 11.1 1. And it came about when Jesus had finished giving instructions to his twelve disciples, he departed there. So, is it is it a good wisdom in life skill to be able to be given instructions and then without supervision to fulfill them? Yes. How about to be given instructions and to be able to extrapolate out its meaning beyond the literal word? Say, I don't want any shouting or screaming during Bible study, so instead they're banging on the pots and pans. No, we would discipline them for that. They know what that means. The child should be able to concentrate on what is being said at their level and follow through unsupervised. Now, we're going to stop here. Time's up.